0: You're listening to Reimagined Radio. Real talk, real life, real magic.
1: the love you want in your life and loving the life you have right now, world class experts, thought-provoking topics, and conversations and tools that are going to help you live the life you really want starting today. So pour yourself a cup of tea, have a tea, and get ready to join Love, Life, and Law of Attraction. Hello, everyone. This is Lisa with Reimagined Radio and Love, Life, and Law of Attraction. And I am on my second of our sort of introductory interviews with our new host for Reimagined Radio Network. And I am so excited about this one. I have Janet Dalgleish. Um, It's kind of funny because I talked yesterday about how much I had in contact or in common with Ruby And Janet is actually also kind of a, I don't know, a philosophy soul sister, I think. So I'm excited to talk to Janet and kind of pick her brain about brain science and astrology and whatever we have time to get to today. So Janet, how are you? Hello.
2: Hello. I'm really, really well.
1: (laughs) So before we even get rolling, can you give us a little bit of information about you, kind of like a short bio about <laughs> what you do, where
2: you came from and what brings you to this party. Today. That's a great question. Um, I was thinking about, i listened to the interview you did with Ruby. And when you asked her that question, I was thinking, wow, if I was to do the full story, we'd be here for three hours. <laughs> um, but these days I am a, a coach and astrologer. I, blend the two which I really love Um, but in years leading up to this I've had a really checkered career (laughs) Um, but there's been there's always been a theme which has been about a really deep held belief that everybody is more powerful than they think they are. Um, I used to be a union organizer for example and I would work with individuals in workplaces where they actually had more power than they thought they did. They just didn't know it and they didn't know how to apply it. Um, And before that, I was a performer and I was an active member of um, the Actors' Union. And it was a similar story. I would have colleagues who would be moaning about something that was happening for them at the workplace or something about their, um, you know, rehearsal schedule or about the fact that, Somebody had scheduled a publicity thing with, for them in their only lunch, in their only meal break of a fourteen-hour day, and I would, I would get kind of caught up in feeling frustrated because I, I would be like, y- you, you can just say no, you could just say, I can't do that publicity spot right there. I need to have a lunch break. So, so that's been this theme all the way along, and now I get to, I think I was frustrated by it in the past because. I didn't know I didn't know that that's what I was passionate about very clearly and I didn't have the tools but I think becoming a coach and becoming an astrologer has given me access to tools that I I now feel um I feel much more confident about being able to sort of turn around to people and say hey <laughs> you are way more powerful than you think you are and here's how I know that <laughs> I And mean, that's. I think
1: I don't know, as a coach, right, that's always the crux of it is you are way more powerful than you think you are. And it's Agreed. easy for it's easy for us to see in someone else. That can be really difficult to grasp when you're talking about yourself. I mean it's it's very it's very easy for us to A give away our power or B not recognize it when we're kind of in our own sort.
2: That's so true. Uh, absolutely. I, you actually said to me once a while back, uh, um, you said something that I have actually quoted to other people because I thought it was so brilliant. Um, you said that we can't see our own programming because we're inside it. And that means that we can't see the coding errors. And I thought that was a really smart metaphor for for the way that this works. Uh, as you know, Lisa, I'm, in addition to being an astrologer, I'm also absolutely besotted um, by brain science and I know how the brain works and how it you know the wiring that we have that we have learned so this is not our cosmic wiring which is how we arrive on the planet this is our brain wiring the stuff that we've learned it can often feel much more real to us than that core innate authentic self um, and the truths that we do know deep down, but sometimes that 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 learned wiring sort of feels louder, and it's and it can be difficult to see that 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 power within. I think
1: the only way we see coding errors is when we start getting glitchy results. I mean, yes. and oh yeah, we, it's we, the only attuned to those glitzy results that we don't even notice that they're peculiar in and of themselves. I mean, coding errors hide really deep. I, I firmly believe in that metaphor. And I'm not even actually sure it's metaphorical. I think there may be some like literal hard science truth that says we are running programs all the time that are very similar to computer programs. And part of that probably does have to be or have to do with what you spoke to which is the, the wiring that we're born with like the the magical essence that we come into this experience with being hardwired to start with agreed
2: yeah and i you know i i also just for the record i um i think it's worth saying i also believe that we choose the life we come into um I really like the metaphor that, that suggests that life is, is kind of like a virtual reality game that we set up before we got here. And the game is only, it only has juice, it only has meatiness, it only has meaning because we deliberately we deliberately forget the adventure that we designed. So we come into this virtual reality game called life and we think it's real <laughs> we think it has more significance in it than it than maybe it has um, and the reason I like that metaphor is because it helped, when I am going through rocky times as you know all coaches go through rocky times themselves we don't have this all figured out um, but when I go through rocky times it's really useful for me to kind of go there was something about this journey that I knew back then that I knew would be valuable and even though it feels like crap right now, and it doesn't seem to have any point, and it seems meaningless and random and all of that, um, it's really helpful for me to remember, you know what, there is going to be at some point, I am going to look back on this, and there will have been an enormous amount of growth and healing and processing that's potential within this situation. Um I like the quote from um, Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, where the main character is always saying, um, everything always works out perfectly in the end. And if it isn't perfect, if it is not yet perfect, then it is not yet the end. I kind of just smile when I hear that. And
1: I think that there's so much truth in that. And again, that can be hard to grasp before you get to the end. But, <laughs> but, I mean, absolutely.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. can be really challenging. I absolutely and agree. Know. And I, I would never, I mean, one of the things I'm, I, I'm really clear about, and this has been the case right back through all that history that I mentioned earlier is that when somebody is in the throes of, and I, and again, I r- remind myself of this as well, because you know, I, I can get caught up in the, in how dark it feels. Um, is just remembering that that this is not about you know haranguing people when they're suffering and sort of saying oh but you designed this all along <laughs> that, that's not how I roll because that's <clears throat> I don't think that's helpful when we're in that dark place what we need is a compassionate witness we don't need somebody to lecture us on law of attraction or lecture us on um, uh, you know how things are going to get better and the, or this is part of the journey and we chose it I think that's but that edge is close to victim blaming when someone is in pain, and I'm—that's—that's not—that's not a good place for me to go.
0: But
1: so let's do the but. And you and I have had a lot of these conversations, you know, over the course of time, the history of our <laughs> relationship. Like the big but, there is that sort of shining light of law of attraction that says, "You created it. You created it. Yeah. You created. But you created this. And I think. I mean it's not a popular opinion in LOA circles when I say that I don't think we create everything we experience. I mean we co-create. We are we sometimes sort of do a supporting role in somebody else's narrative sometimes. I don't I don't necessarily think we create everything we experience. The only thing that I think we have ultimate control over is our interpretation. Of what we're experiencing, and therefore the results that are born of that interpretation, and even that, from an LOA standpoint, is kind of monkey.
2: Yeah, I, I think, I think that I, I agree with you, Lisa. And one of the reasons for that is that I know I I spent many, 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 many years, um, in a really deep funk of self-loathing at a very deep level that I couldn't access for a long, 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 long time. And the reason for that was that, well, initially there was all kinds of societal stuff for it, but then when I discovered Law of Attraction, it was, this is going to sound weird, but the, it, it was both delightful and really, really, really annoying because the message that I received was you created it, therefore it's your fault. You were to blame all along, so you were right to loathe yourself. You know, you created all of the... You, you know, the, the the message I received was you created all of it, the good and the bad. And as I tried to apply law of attraction, I, w- I had success in lots and lots and lots of different ways. But in the areas where I found things were, there were areas where I found things were getting worse, if not rather than better. And I got it firmly in my head for a really long time that there was something broken within me that said, You're one of the people on the planet who can never get this vibration right. So you are doomed because you create it all, including the bad. You are doomed to constantly have a bad outcome in this one particular area. There's nothing to be done about it. It was a, it was a, it was, and I knew it was, I knew it was wrong somehow and I knew it was toxic. I just didn't know what to do with that. And I think it wasn't until I, I was able to accept in part, because I'm very good at paradox. I can believe two completely contradictory things at the same time. (laughs) Um, It's partly to do with my, well, no, I won't go into my astrology just yet because we're going to talk about that in a minute. But um, I have this ability to believe in two things at once. So I found a way to believe at the same time that yes, I created this whole life. I chose this life because it was that adventure that I decided to live. And, there were things that happened to me early on in terms of abuse, trauma and bullying that were not my fault. I chose the life to come into that had people in it who would co-create that situation with me. So I sort of have that power. But as a child who was at the, at the pointy end of, um, uh, of things that were happening, um, particularly at school, particularly bullying, there was no choice. There was nothing that I, at that age, there was nothing that I could have done about it at that age. And given the the social background I was born into, the parents I was born to, and the way that they taught me how to be a human in those very early years, nothing to do with, it's not like they did anything wrong or that they had anything to be blamed for, but I didn't have defences. Um, And that was partly because of my upbringing. All of that was a life that I chose to be born into. So in that respect, yes, I take responsibility. But I don't take responsibility for the fact that I was bullied. (laughs) I don't take responsibility for the fact that um, I was, you know, I had a traumatic incident happen when I was 20 that somebody else did to me. I'm I'm not about to claim responsibility for that because in that scenario, it would be victim blaming and that's not healthy.
1: Which I think, I mean, at, at the crux of it, right? With law of attraction, it's always about finding the finding finding the relief, like sweet relief, coach. I mean, finding the relief, finding the relief, finding the relief. And there is great relief in saying, "I didn't create my bullying. I didn't create my assault. I didn't create my husband." I mean, there's lots of things that we can do, and. In that moment of freedom, then you can take that experience and turn it into something that you can create with. Yes. And yes, I, that, I really like that. In, in the best framework, and I'm not going to nail what I actually mean by this, I mean, we may not have created every single experience, but every single experience we have can still be creative. It can still be building blocks or wonderful, amazing expansions. So, I mean, it is sort of navigating that territory that says, I may, you know, what is, is, whether I created it or not, but what I create with this is where my power really lies. That's the question that is the most powerful question I can ask myself.
0: I agree with that.
2: I actually really agree with that, Lisa, and it's interesting. I was reading some um, material uh, recently that talks about the questions we ask ourselves and um, there's very clear research for example there's really clear research that people who are suffering from depression or who are going through a depressive episode the kinds of questions that get that they ask themselves um, can dictate how that episode goes so when they ask questions of themselves which is very common such as what's wrong with me why can't I get happy why can't I just why can't I just you know lift my vibration if they if they if they're law of attraction savvy they might be asking themselves why can't I get my vibration higher why can't I get aligned what's wrong with me none of those questions are particularly helpful but the one question that does seem to make a difference um, is the question that says what would make me happier right now what would make me feel better right now and it brings it back to that notion of the here and now and this circumstance I'm in or this depressive state that I might be in, whatever that's, whatever's going on, the question is, what, what can I create with this right now? What can, I, what can I do to get my happiness right now? And it brings it back to the here and now, to the present moment. And I, th- I think that's where our true power lies. So the question that says, how did I create this? Or how did I create that thing that happened to me when I was 20? It's a pointless question. It's a meaningless question. And and I do have clients who will ask me, how did I create X, Y, and Z? And I will very gently <laughs> find a way to say to them, that's not the question that that's really, that's not really the interesting question. There's a much better set of questions. And the questions are things like, what do I do with this? What can I learn from this? Um, what do I want instead of this? You know, what do I? What do I? Because I, from knowing that I didn't like that, you know, this is the Abraham approach where we take contrast and we use it to bounce into what we do want. From that situation, I don't like, didn't like. What were the key things that were wrong with that? And what do I want instead of that? What's the flip of that that tells me that I want for me, you know, the things that I want are respect and a feeling of safety, and when I remember that I get to give myself those things rather than expecting them to come from the outside world, when I give myself those things of safety and respect and trust, um, that's when everything shifts. That's when everything changes, and I'm back in the driver's seat. I mean, I
1: can personally attest to the power of contrast from that perspective, and I think relationship work is the biggest... Sort of shining example of that in my life. It's no secret that I spent decades of my life in crap ass relationships. And I have, <laughs> I'm going to say, one of the best marriages on the planet now. But I wouldn't have known what I wanted. I wouldn't have known to reach for something that was as good as what I've got had I not gone as far in the other direction as I did. The contrast really birthed an amazing desire for a wonderful experience. That I wouldn't
2: have, I wouldn't have been able to get to without that contrast. Mm, it definitely is useful, and as I said before, you know, when somebody is in the middle of really suffering, that's not necessarily the thing that they want to hear right then. But but it, there is a way of, I think, communicating it that helps, and and that's what I, that's what I aim for. <laughs> yeah, I agree.
1: So I'm going to pause really quickly for a quick commercial break. And then I want to come back and talk about sort of this wiring that we were born into because you've kind of helped me understand astrology in a much more empowering way than I may have seen it previously. So we'll be right back. There is no choice in life that will have more impact on your happiness than who you choose to share it with. Everyone wants to find that one big love. However, most people are looking for that love kind of like they would play the lottery. Finding great love is not a game of chance. Score Your Soulmate by Lisa M. Hayes is a by-the-numbers guide to finding the love of your life and creating a life you love. Score Your Soulmate is a step-by-step soulmate finding formula that anyone can follow. What you will get along the way is a swoon worthy life. You'll want to share with that perfect someone. You can find score your soulmate on Amazon or your local bookstore. Get your copy and start your journey to happily ever after today. So I will fully admit that astrology in my mind has been murky territory and I mean, I know so many genius people who are very, I would say, astrologically savvy. It is territory that I have kind of always shied away from, I mean, for a number of reasons, and you know some of them. I mean, first of all, my birthday lies at the very end, like I'm on the cusp, so I don't always relate to my horoscope when I read it in the newspaper. And secondly, I just I never felt like I wanted to be defined by a set of guidelines that about my personality or my destiny or my fate or any of it. Like the rebel in me has always kind of struggled with my relationship to how I used to see astrology. But you see astrology very differently. so I'm gonna let you kind of highlight how I, I had it wrong. You can just you can just <laughs> say I had it completely wrong and explain why.
2: <laughs> well I think many of us many many of us um, have fallen into the same kind of trap of and, and look I'm not going to talk about much about why that might be but I, I do think that there are there has been a, a pattern in the past maybe of astrologers um, suggesting that the stars dictate who you are or what's going to happen to you you know the, um, uh, and and I think well I learned that I have to say I all full credit to Kim Falconer um from Good Vibe Astrology, because it was from Kim that I first learned this myself. And um and and also from Jeanette Moore. The 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 astrology belongs in the same camp, if you like, as law of attraction. It all harks back to this concept that as above, so below um, is how it's expressed in the Emerald Tablet. But it's a really ancient idea that the internal matches the external or um, that as Law of Attraction says, like attracts like. So um, the the way that, I, that Kim explained it to me that I found so compelling and that radically changed my view was um, that we don't come into this life as a blank slate. We arrive with preferences and values and talents and things that we want to master and adventures that we want to have. Um, We arrive with all of those things. They are inherently a part of who we are. It's like we've sat um, sat up in the clouds before we arrived on planet earth, kind of nutting out what we wanted to play with this time around. And, because of, because like attracts like, the moment of our birth is a perfect match for who we truly are, and that means there's a whole bunch of information coded into that moment of birth. This is, covers both astrology and numerology, which I have been doing for longer than astrology um, because I, I just love them both. Um, but all of that information that's coded into the into the moment of your birth, um, it's like a symbol map. It's like a map. Of who you are who you truly are so if you know how to read the map you can have a look at someone's chart whether it's the numerology or the astrology and you can you can interpret aspects of who they were when they arrived on the planet now we all of us have the same thing we arrive on the planet and then we spend the next 20 or so years being socialized and and acquiring this learned wiring so so that for my money it's like we arrive with some cosmic hard wiring, and then we have all the other wiring of, um, attached, if you like. Um, Carl Jung said that the journey of life is the journey back towards the self, and I think there's there's a lot of um, truth in that. So as we move through life, we are we are seeking to find that, to rediscover that authentic self. Um, Martha Beck talks about the social self and the authentic self, you know, and it's a similar model. The way, the reason that I get so lit up about astrology and numerology, I talk more about astrology because I think it's 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 more of a three dimensional approach than than I I find it's a little meteor. Um, so I can use that information to to kind of cut through. If you imagine that the, there's this map of you and. All of the social conditioning and the programming and the beliefs that we've acquired, all that learned stuff that isn't serving us, all of that is kind of like thickets and fogs and jungle and um, things that have grown on top of the core fundamental terrain this is not a perfect metaphor by the way because it sounds like i'm anti-jungle but i'm not (laughs) in this context i'm trying to we're trying to see the clear the you know a clear map a clear picture of who someone is um what the astrology allows me to do is to kind of sweep that stuff aside so i'm not even it, it it's like um it's like lidar which is that it's that brilliant um I'm such a geek uh, lidar is that wonderful um, ground penetrating radar that that they can use from a plane so they can see the terrain underneath a jungle Archaeologists use it to find things like Roman ruins underneath very dense English forests it's amazing stuff I feel like astrology is something similar to that so if we know how to read the symbols we can we can penetrate the forest we can penetrate the fog we can ignore all of that. Social conditioning, and we can say, okay, this is this is some of the this, this is what the stars reveal. The stars do not dictate who you are. I constantly say to my clients, you are the boss of you. The stars are not the boss of you. You are the boss of you. What the stars do is not dictate who you are. They simply reveal who you truly are, and then you get to play with that. Um, so for me, it actually goes hand in hand with law of attraction. Um, I mentioned earlier my capacity for believing in par- for, for managing paradox, um, and I think that's revealed in my per- in my own chart by the fact that I have Neptune, who is Neptune rules the under the rules the ocean depths of the ocean, so the undersea if you like, and so it's everything that connects us to the dreams and the imagination and the ineffable, intangible stuff that's hard to put into words. I have that right next to my sun, which is my sense of purpose So, the, and my sense of identity. So I have this, you know, I can be on really solid ground and the sun says, this is who I am. I know who I am. And right next to that is Neptune who says, there are no boundaries. We are all one. We are all connected. So being able to do both those at the same time, that's obviously something that's a natural part of my cosmic hard wiring. It is something that I was socially hardwired to ignore for a really long time because people you know we live in a world that says it it has to be either this or that it can't be both at the same time and i go "Yo, really <laughs> i think i can believe in both of those things at the same time i have no trouble believing in science and magic i'm not i'm not going to choose i i can have both um so that so that's been my approach to astrology and as i said when when i learned that it was just revelatory
1: so which makes a lot of sense i mean it it really does come back to law of attraction it would make sense Mm -hmm. that i would be born at the time that most that that hardwires me with the information that i came into this experience with that to some degree this is a broad stroke statement but to some degree my astrology is almost like my karma. Does
2: that makes sense. It reveals it reveals your karma. It's like the it's like the the translation of your karma. It it's it it you know astrology and numerology they're both symbol systems that that um can be interpreted to reveal um your karma. And the other thing I just wanted to touch on by the way you mentioned that you you know, you, you didn't love your birthday. You didn't love astrology because it never resonated. The stuff you read in the news magazines didn't resonate. And that's that's often true because we have, you know, our charts are not just with, with the, the kind of popular astrology that you see in magazines. Um, what, what the astrologer is doing is looking just at the sun sign and then making an a, a, an interpretation for everyone who's got that sun sign. And it's going to land for a proportion of people with that sun sign but the truth is uh, either that or else they've got the support reader to write the astrology and they have no idea what they're doing that can happen <laughs> but let's assume it's a, it's an astrologer the truth is we have these very you know our charts are really complex and we have a lot going on so it it isn't just about that sun sign there's a whole lot of other stuff going on that can have different influences. So, for example, with my my Neptune being really close to my Sun, that changes the way um, that my Sun sign. Um, you know, when when I'm looking at what the current astrology is, there's there's always going to be an element of it that says that there. Um, that the edges are blurry so if I read um, I do have a couple of astrology sources that I use all the time Kim Falconer is one and the other one is Mystic Medusa I really like her work I don't do a lot of prognostication myself because I'm much more interested in who you were when you arrived that's my thing and how that gives you power now I do look at things like lunar cycles but I don't do a lot of like I Kim does a beautiful daily astro flash which is fabulous, I just, I don't do them because I'm not drawn to it and there are people doing amazing things with those out in the world, so why would I do it? I can do other stuff better. Um, but what I really like is to look at those, you know, what the, what the what's happening currently and that becomes like a roadmap of how to navigate more easily. So for example, um, with the recent Pisces eclipse new moon, There's a lot of magic in the air. Pisces is ruled by Neptune. Eclipses are very powerful. There's an enormous amount of magic in the air. So it's an opportunity for me to really amp up the magical practice and um, let go of the the, the desire to sort of take an engineering approach. I have it within me to take a very engineering approach to life. And that serves me sometimes. But at times like this, it's like, yeah, you know what? We're just going to park that (laughs) for a little while and we're going to go with the magic i and and i know that that magic um that when i when i spend some time honoring neptune i'm also lighting up my sun my sense of purpose and identity so so navigating using astrology or something like that it it can mean um it's much easier to do it when we when we kind of have an understanding for the complexity of the chart itself or or when we have a uh, you know we have an astrologer in our pocket that 's why the royal courts um used to have um you know a whole team of astrologers because you would have somebody if you were the if you were making major decisions about how the kingdom ought to unfold uh ought ought to be run or you know what how to time things you would want um some reliable people to say this is going to be a match for you what's happening right now your be- your best approach is to do this um and it's and it becomes very unique and personal most of us can't afford to have a, a, a full-time astrologer on hand <laughs> um but yes the uh, 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 that that sense of your particular chart everybody's particular chart this is the universal you is never necessarily going to be a perfect match for what you read in the magazines or what you see online because unless you've got an astrologer looking at it for you or you've learned how to do it yourself it's it's trickier so my my universal advice is always glean what you can pick out what you can from those kinds of sources and use what feels you can you know you can sense it when it lands when it feels right and it, when it feels juicy and there are going to be times where you look at it and go, yeah, I don't really get that. And that's cool. It doesn't mean that the astrologer is a bad astrologer. And it doesn't mean that you're, there's something broken in your astrology. It simply means that you don't necessarily have access to all the information at the moment.
1: And what the astrology does is it shines information. It shines a light on information that might not be obvious. Might not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and said, sometimes it hits and sometimes it doesn't. I know that since I have sort of given up my astrological rebelliousness that I've, I find it not too surprisingly. There's a lot more <laughs> wisdom in there than I've seen before.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think it's also really helpful when we look at things like astrology sources or numerology sources, it's really helpful to go in before we go in there to remind ourselves that the stars and the numbers are not the boss of us. We are the boss of us. And that means we can use it, uh, Kim has a lovely um metaphor that I like very much. She says this it's like using a roadmap map when you go on vacation. The map doesn't tell you where you want to go on holiday where you want to have a where you want to go on vacation. it just helps you get there without getting lost or without you know getting caught up in the um taking taking wrong turnings um although taking a wrong turning might be you might get a scenic view and it might be fabulous so it's not like there's a I I I always catch myself out when I use words like right or wrong that they never feel good but um yeah that that sense of having a map that you can that you can use to either um to 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 help you t- just to help navigate it's not telling you how to go where to go it is but it is helpful for navigation
1: So, I'm so used to talking to you about brain science, and we're not going to have time to do that today. <laughs> but you I know mean, I'm going to make sort of a broad stroke to where we keep doing the illustrations and analogies, but it's a little bit like astrology is the programming that you came in with that you chose mm-hmm. with the information that was coded in when you were born. And the brain stuff is the information that we code ourselves with as we move along. Our experiences, how we interpret them, the neural pieces of that is a little bit like the programs that we put on the machine that we were born with. Would you say
2: that is generally accurate I think that 's a really nice um, way to understand it. you know that the idea that we have this this kind of cosmic wiring that we came in with in the sense that we are a piece of the cosmos we arrived you know if we if we, if we imagine that we are this um, energy being that uh, existed I mean we are an energy being all along but we were pure positive energy before we arrived here and then we decided to have this adventure and the the astrology reveals that, that essential self in some ways now there's still even with something like astrology we are still interpreting something that's fundamentally it's a physical thing because it's we have to turn it into language so when i look at someone's chart i can see in it, i can see the the dynamics and the energies but in order to to convey that information i have to turn it into language so it becomes a kind of a physical 3d world thing but it is that essential self that we carry through life and then we have all of this extra wiring that we acquire as a result of the social conditioning, the parenting, the media, the teachers, the et cetera, et cetera. And as we get to play with that um, learned wiring, um, that's where I get excited about the brain science, about neuroplasticity, about the fact brain that contains that wiring and we can change that. So there's a for me, there's a really clear link between these two things which seem so, you know, at first glance, astrology and brain science, how on earth does that work together? One of the ways that I think is really powerful to understand that is that the different um, different uh, bodies that we talk about in astrology, Sun, Moon, Venus, Mars, Mercury, Saturn, they actually represent, they can be seen as representing aspects of our psyche. So when we understand that, we suddenly begin to see the link between astrology and psychology. We begin to see the link between the way that our own individual psychology, our mindset, our learned programming, the beliefs that we hold, all of those things which are contained as wiring within the brain. We can start to see how those things do connect to each other. And that's where, for me, that's where I think we get enormous traction there's enormous potential there for, um, you know, it's, it, 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 for living a more authentic life, which is always going to be a happier life, ultimately, and, um, and reclaiming that sense of our own power. We can see, uh, so I, you know, it's very easy for me to be able to say to a client, the depression that you're experiencing at the moment, or the, you know, the, the difficult relationship you're experiencing at the moment, or whatever it might be, that's not who you are. That's just a thing that is happening at the moment and let's go back to who you truly are and let's reclaim and reconnect with that power um, and that it helps people get their feet under them I think a little bit. So they might think they're in really swirling waters but when they get their feet in under them and stand up they discover the water was only knee deep. <laughs>
1: That is really true. I agree. I keep muting myself so that I didn't have to give the snoring dog disclaimer, but there's my snoring dog disclaimer.
2: (laughs) I love your snoring
0: dogs.
1: (laughs) In conclusion, I'm going to give you three things to do in conclusion. So final thoughts, if you have any, um, where people can find you online if they want to connect and tell us a little bit
2: about your upcoming show. Alrighty. Um, Uh, The first one, the the kind of closing thought, there is a a, a motto that I really love and I have not yet been able to find out who said it because it's been attributed to about four or five different people. But basically, don't believe everything you think. You know, the, the thoughts that you have arise out of your brain. They arise out of the social conditioning a lot of the time. If you find a thought that you don't like, whether it's about yourself or about the world or about something else, it's worth questioning it because chances are it's not true. Um, So that's my, you know, closing thoughts. Um, What was the next question? Oh, where people can find me. (laughs) Um, uh, My, um, the easiest way to find me is via my URL, which is JanetDalgleish.com. And you can get the spelling by looking at the um, dashboard, you know, at the, at the, um, the page for this show but i'll spell it anyway it's j a n e t t e d a l g l i e s h dot com um, you can find me there and my upcoming show well kind of really we're going get to cover some of what i talked about today um but in much more depth so for example um, i want to talk about um I want to talk about these various different heavenly bodies and the aspects of our psyche that they represent. Um uh the one of the first things I want to talk about is um the way that Saturn operates in our lives. He gets a lot of bad press. Um he's in ancient times he was certainly considered to be a, 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 a bad influence, um, not a very good thing, but um I think that's I think we have evolved our understanding of how the how the different heavenly bodies work we don't really view them as good and bad in the same way but saturn can feel like a big bully with a stick and he can be he basically saturn is the curator of our life mission and that means two things first of all he's he can be he can feel like a taskmaster um he can be pushing us to be more productive so he can if we let him run rampant through our lives he can see us getting caught up in workaholism or perfectionism or just overwork um but also because he's so focused on the thing we do and our life mission he can get a bit stressed if we if he thinks you know and when i say he i mean that part of our psyche so if that part of our psyche thinks we haven't done enough or we're not good enough or we haven't achieved what we, you know, with the whole thing yet, whatever it might be, we can get really bad gremlin attacks um, and we can become immobilized by fear so we can see procrastination at play. So we can get this kind of overwork and procrastination all at the same time and when we understand how Saturn operates and what motivates him, what drives him, or when I say him, I mean that part of our psyche, when we understand what what is driving that, we can radically transform it. We can we can we can take charge, and we can benefit from Saturn. He is a mentor. He's a brilliant mentor. He's a brilliant um, uh, guide when we aren't sure what to do next. He's he's really good at the detail. He's a brilliant lo- um, brilliant at logistics. He, so he's got all of these incredible powers that part of our psyche has all these incredible powers that we can benefit from when we know how to kind of step up and take charge. So that's what I'll be talking about in more depth. I've got some tools to share. I've got a couple of strategies, a couple of practices that people can play with. So for anybody who finds themselves either procrastinating about the thing they really want to do, whether it's a business that they're working on or a a job or whatever, or anybody who finds themselves... Beset by habits of overwork. Um, and I, <laughs> um, at least as you know, I did overwork to the point of injury ch- twice. Major career changing injury. <laughs> I did that twice. So I know what I'm, t- I have strong satin in my chart. I know what I'm talking about.
1: <laughs> it's going to be really good. I'm excited. I'm re- I can't, I can't wait. So, yeah. Thank you for being here and thank you for being willing to host a show and share your wisdom and I love and adore you. You are amazing. Thank you, Lisa. It's
2: such a pleasure. I'm so excited to be here.
1: All right. So stay tuned. We're going to have more interviews with more upcoming hosts and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us on Love, Life, and Law of Attraction. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you back here next week. For more information, you can find me at lisamhage.com.
0: Uh, uh-huh.